Thank you guys for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Brad Betkey, and this is episode 17 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Hey, now I'm in jagged forces, crack the courses, but lack this sports shit. Talent there, but I guess I was shorted and that was sports shit. Focused on my core shit, torn clips of a better rise. Another world in my clouds, and I'm peeking my head inside to see what's really going on. Life is moving on and on. Added to that 15, empty and trashy, mowing lawns. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Welcome back to Box Score Sports. I think it's pretty obvious where we're going to start this week. Probably the biggest story in sports right now, and that is Russell Wilson being traded to the Denver Broncos. I think it caught a lot of people off guard considering that the biggest talk regarding Broncos and quarterback trades was probably Aaron Rodgers. I would say for a couple of weeks, it was, I wouldn't say known, but there had been more than just a couple rumors about Rodgers going to the Broncos. But since the Packers had franchise tagged Devontae Adams, and obviously Rodgers came out and said that he'll be back with the Packers in 2022. That has since changed the plans, and clearly you get a blockbuster trade here with Russell Wilson to the Seahawks. Um, For those that don't know, I'm going to run through real quick what the trade consisted of. The Broncos received Russell Wilson and a fourth-round draft pick. The Seahawks actually got a pretty good deal, and if you ask me, they may or may not have won this. They got Drew Locke, the quarterback for the Broncos, Shelby Harris, an edge, Noah Fant, tight end, first round and a second round pick for this year, and a first round and a second round pick for next year, and then a fifth for future as well. That's a pretty good deal. Five draft picks, three of them, I'm sorry, two of them being first, two of them being seconds, that's kind of a big deal. You think about what you can get with first and second round players. So now the Seahawks have two first-round picks and two second-round picks this year, which is pretty huge. Coming from a Detroit Lions fan who has two first-round picks this year, I would say the Seahawks won big. Not to mention they got a pretty good tight end, probably top 15 in the league. I would say Drew Locke definitely isn't their quarterback. I would hope that they would make some kind of attempt to fill that position just because we've seen the inconsistency out of Drew Locke in Denver. I can't imagine that he'll just figure it out in Seattle. And then Shelby Harris, he's a pretty good role player uh, as an edge rusher, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with the edge rushers there in Seattle or lack thereof. Next in the NFL, obviously I mentioned briefly on it, Aaron Rodgers had come out and said that he knows for a fact he will be playing in Green Bay next year, which I think had a lot to do with the fact that the Packers had put a franchise tag on Adams. I think that had one of the biggest influences, considering they are one of the best duos in football history. Whether you like to admit it or not, they have been consistently good throughout their time together in Green Bay, and I can't say that I'm not looking forward to more of it. Devontae Adams, in my opinion, is the best receiver in football, and it's undisputed, not even close. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been having quite a handful of great seasons. Ironically, since the Packers drafted Jordan Love with the 26th overall pick a couple of years ago, I think it was almost a sense of motivation that the Packers were using to get Aaron Rodgers to 
show what he's really capable of. Not that he wasn't doing well before, but we are now seeing probably some of his best football, and he's on the tail end of his career. Or is he? Who knows? Despite all that, it'll be interesting to see where Rodgers' future lies, whether or not he's going to stay in the league for a couple of years. I think that his status with the Packers has been kind of up in the air almost every offseason for the last two or three years. I'm not really sure why or what's going on there, but it can get kind of annoying if I'm being completely honest. One of these years he'll retire and we'll all be sorry to see him go the way we were with Brady. Obviously, Brady's a different story because he's the greatest quarterback to ever play football. But still, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greats for sure. Last thing in the NFL I want to touch on is the combine. I thought there was a lot of really good performances out of certain players. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, he did pretty well across the board, and it actually boosted him to be the now favorite for the number one pick over Kayvon Thibodeau. A lot of people really went crazy. There was a unofficial 40 time of 4.21 that would have broken the record, but it turned out that it wasn't the case, that that was the not the official time, which I don't want to get into that. The unofficial official thing doesn't really make sense to me, but whatever. And Jordan Davis, if you don't know how big that man is, look it up because he's not normal, and he ran an incredible 40 time for a 300-plus pounder. You look at players like Evan Neal and Jordan Davis, the fact that they're able to move the way they move at the size that they are. I genuinely don't know what these parents are feeding their children. I would like to know so that I can feed that to my children because I would like to have a millionaire son or daughter because that would be cool. I think we'd all agree that that would be Something cool to have. Obviously, to be proud of them as well for being professionals, but at the same time, like, we all know that you would benefit off the situation as the parent of the child. But that about wraps it up for the NFL. I don't think there was too much going on, really, the big trades. No alarming franchise tags throughout the league. I would say, really, the only one that um, is a big deal is... Devontae Adams. I guess you could say Chris Godwin. He was franchise tagged by the Buccaneers, which to me kind of surprised me because you would have thought they would have franchise tagged somebody like Carlton Davis, who last year was their best corner easily. And I don't see him staying with the team in this coming season because of that. So we'll see how that goes there. But that, I will say, wraps it up for the NFL. Just not a whole lot going on other than a couple franchise tags, and that's about it. Moving on to the NBA. Briefly, I just want to touch on LeBron James, the GOAT. This man is in his 19th season in the NBA. He is 37 years old. And the other night, against the Warriors, he dropped 56 points, 19 of 31 shooting, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. This man is 37 years old. Think about... For those of you that are old enough to think about this, think about what you were doing at 37 years old because you weren't dropping almost 60 in an NBA game against players almost 10, 15 years younger than you. Just saying. Not to be rude or anything. I find that sports accounts usually post about LeBron after he has a really good game. So 
Luckily, there was a couple cool graphics that I saw. First of them being that LeBron, he is now only 23 assists away from becoming the only player in NBA history with 10,000-plus points, 10,000-plus rebounds, and 10,000-plus assists. I'm going to repeat that one more time. He's only 23 assists away from being the only player in NBA history with 10,000-plus points, rebounds, and assists. Had to give you all a moment of silence because I know that's a lot to handle. Another crazy statistic that I found. Most points per game in 19th season in NBA history. At number 5, you have Tim Duncan with 8.6. At number 4, John Stockton with 10.8. Number 3, Carmelo Anthony with 13.5. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at number 2 with 14.6. Y'all can guess who's at number 1, LeBron James, 29. He's averaging almost 30 points a game in his 19th season, which is double what the person next on the list is averaging. I don't ever want to hear that he's not the greatest ever, and that's where I'm going to leave that. I want to touch on the strength of schedule left in the NBA. Just a couple teams, not all of them, that I think the strength of schedule will have a big impact on how they do for the rest of the season. The number one team's strength of schedule being the L.A. Lakers. You look at the team, where they've been, the injuries, the lack of success, and the fact that now they have the strongest schedule left in the NBA, that's not a good sign for them. Like I said in previous episodes, they aren't necessarily fighting for a playoff spot considering how many games they are behind, the number one strongest schedule in the league definitely doesn't help. Another notable team I noticed is the Bulls are right behind them at number three and the Bucks at number two. Those are two very, very good teams almost at the top of their divisions. So I think the strength of schedule has a lot to do with that there. You got the Nuggets at seventh, the Warriors at eight. The reason the Warriors at 8 really gets my attention is because the fact that they've only won one of their last six games. One of six games they've won. They lost five in a row. Having the top 10 strongest schedule is not good for a team that just lost five straight. Then later down into the rankings, you have Phoenix and the Philadelphia 76ers are right next to each other at 15 and 16. You ask me, those are the two best teams in basketball right now. So they're right about the middle of the water. They should finish the season pretty strong. You go down to the lower rankings. The only teams that really are doing well that are at the very bottom are the Heat at 24, the Mavericks at 27, and the Grizzlies at 28. I think that Grizzlies having the third easiest schedule left in the league will definitely put them above the Warriors, even though they're already above them after these handful of losses the Warriors had. But I think having the schedule that easy will keep them where they are. So I just find that kind of interesting. The strength of schedule is always intriguing to look at when you're thinking about what teams are where, eligibility-wise, where they'll be in the playoffs. And with us being as close to the playoffs as we are, And to look at the teams that are contenders, it's interesting to see where they potentially could go from here. Now, speaking on the Warriors and their five-game losing streak, just a fun little thing that I thought was really cool. 
For those that didn't watch the game or haven't checked any sports social media lately, Will Ferrell, otherwise known as Jackie Moon from the Flint Tropics, made an appearance at the Warriors game last night. Clay Thompson is a pretty big fan of Will Ferrell and Jackie Moon. For uh, 2018, for the Halloween basketball game, Clay Thompson showed up wearing a full Flint Tropics Jackie Moon outfit, if you will. So that was kind of cool to see his, I wouldn't say idol, but somebody he looks up to and he really likes as a person and as a character as well to be there. And they won the game. So the Warriors are now 1-0 when they have Jackie Moon present. And he actually ran out of the tunnel with them at the start of the game. So I think Steve Kerr needs to get in touch with Will Ferrell a little more often and make that happen a little more often. Last thing I want to touch on in the NBA is... The 76ers and Harden are going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets March 10th tomorrow. That game is going to be quite something, considering you have Ben Simmons, who just left Philly on the Nets, and you have James Harden, who just left the Nets on Philly. I think we're going to see fantastic games out of all three big players, James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant, considering Kyrie just dropped 50 the other night, went crazy, Kevin Durant, we know what he's capable of, and James Harden and Joel Embiid have been playing really good basketball together. For those that know basketball over the past handful of years, you know that James Harden would be considered a selfish player. Despite his assist counts, he's looked at as a kind of a selfish player and a ball hog. If you actually watch the games he's playing in Philadelphia, you will see how many times that he is passing up an opportunity to get a basket to pass the ball to a player in a better position. It's good to see those kind of things because you see that he's maturing as a player, although he's been in the league for a very long time. Seeing stuff like that shows that he's maturing as a player. He cares about his teammates just as much as he cares about himself, and he's putting them first if he sees them in a better situation than he's in knowing what he's capable of. So I will say that it's really good to see him, and I would say he's finally playing his best team basketball But back when he won back-to-back MVPs and such, he was playing his best him basketball, for those that get what I'm saying. So I think that game will be really, really, really interesting, and you bet your ass I'll be watching it. Because that the tensions are going to be so high, and I feel like there's going to be so many little brawls and mouth talk back and forth. It's just, I know the entertainment factor is going to be at an all-time high. So you will catch me watching that game, and I recommend you guys do too. But that's about it for the NBA this week. For the last segment this week, I want to talk briefly about college basketball. I know it's been a hot topic lately for me, and it's probably going to stay that way until after March Madness because, well, March is full of madness. To start off with the most mad of March, John Baptiste, the guard on Chattanooga. Chattanooga played Furman in the championship uh, just this last, early this week. And he hit probably the best buzzer beater since uh, Villanova when they beat North Carolina for the national championship. Genuinely was one of the best buzzer beaters that I've seen in years. He was double contested. It was probably pretty close to 30 feet distance. And it was a clean shot. I mean, he knew it was going in the second he took it. Ironically... I saw something on, I think it was ESPN or SportsCenter, one of the two. He was wide open at the end of regulation and never got the ball. And they didn't score. 
This time, they gave him the ball towards the end of overtime, and he did not give it up because I think he knew in his mind that he is about it, and he knew he was going to make the shot he took. Clearly, he was right about himself because he drained it for the win, and like I said, it was one of the best, most electric buzzer beaters I've seen in years. So if you haven't seen it, go look. His last name is Jean-Baptiste. Great shot. Next, I want to talk about something that kind of bothers me. For those that don't know, Bellarmine just won their championship yesterday or two days ago. And despite winning the championship, they're not being given the opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. It's because they are still in the process of going from Division Two to Division One. So replacing them will be Jacksonville State, which I think is kind of BS. Division Two or Division One, they need to be given the opportunity to go to the tournament. They earned it. Hopefully they'll be Division One by next year and they'll still get the opportunity to play again because they played a hell of a game and it would have been cool to see them go to the tournament because... Not saying they would have won a lot of games, but they definitely would have been giving teams a run for their money. They're a tough team. They fight for their wins for sure. Lastly, I briefly want to go over the teams that have already, quote-unquote, punched their ticket for the NCAA men's tournament. Obviously, I said Jacksonville State. They'll be representing the Atlantic Sun. From the Big South, you have Longwood, Colonial Delaware, Horizon, Wright State, Missouri Valley, Loyola, Chicago. Northeast, you have Bryant. Ohio Valley, Murray State. Real quick, I said Bryant, and that rung a bell. For those that didn't see the game between Bryant and I don't remember the other team, there was quite an altercation between the fans. And one of the best players in the country, he's averaging the most points per game in the country right now. He's on Bryant. He was having a hell of a game, and it was like pointing into the stands of the other team and all this stuff, and it aggravated the fans. So they started fighting each other, and it got serious. They had to like stop the entire game, send all the players to the locker room, then bring them all back out. They agreed to let some of the fans stay. It was crazy. You all got to look that up. Anyway, representing Southern is Chattanooga. Representing Summit, you have South Dakota State. For the Sun Belt, you have Georgia State. And, of course, for the West Coast, you have Gonzaga. Ironically, the team that I discussed last week that beat Gonzaga is the team that Gonzaga beat this week, St. Mary's. You still have a lot of basketball left. The divisions that still have to, quote-unquote, punch their ticket. On Saturday, sorry, Wednesday, which is tonight, you have the Patriot Conference. Then Saturday, you have the America East, the Mid-Eastern, Metro Atlantic, Big 12, Mountain West, Southwestern, Big East, Mid-American, Big Sky, ACC, Conference USA, Pac-12, Southland, Western, and Big West. And then on Sunday, you have the Ivy League, SEC, Atlantic 10, American, and Big 10. So I'd say there's just about as much teams left eligible to enter the tournament as there are teams in it it's still really hard for me to say who I think the favorite for the championship is yes Gonzaga is the favorite but to me there are multiple teams that can give them a run for their money right now I would say Arizona is their biggest threat Arizona has been playing 
really, really good basketball and defensively as well, which has been a big reason Gonzaga hasn't had full success. You look at St. Mary's, the only reason that they beat Gonzaga before was because they played outstanding defense. So if a team has all-around good defense and at each position they can shut stuff down, especially locking players up like Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy, if you can prevent these players from success, you're looking at beating Gonzaga. And I think that's what it'll take. Personally, Arizona has the best chance to do so. I don't know. I would say Baylor has a really good chance as well. They've been playing really, really good you know, lately. And I don't know. I mean, we all know how March Madness goes. It's literally anybody's tournament. Not one team that's in the tournament doesn't belong there, and not one team in the tournament isn't capable of winning the tournament. That's why it's called March Madness, because it's mad. It goes, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. There's buzzer beater after buzzer beater after game winner after fights after Cinderella's. It's just the best time in sports. Seriously, I would say that other than like the Super Bowl, people aren't as engaged in sports as they are in March Madness. It's such an attractive part of sports, and I love it. Even though my favorite sport is football, I love March Madness. I love the energy that it gives off because clearly as I'm recording this podcast, I'm all about the entertainment factor of these sports, and March Madness is peak entertainment factor. So I can't express how excited I am for the tournament this year. The teams in it. So much good basketball to come. And I cannot wait. Unfortunately, you guys, it is about that time. We're going to wrap the episode up here. We have some great content this week. You look at the NFL with the Russell Wilson trade, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, the NFL Combine, over to the NBA, LeBron's greatness and the strength of schedule there, and then college basketball with the NCAA tournament starting to truly form. It was a great week for sports. Anybody that loves sports knows how good of a week this was between the highlights, the crazy plays, I love watching the Sports Center top 10 before work every day. It's so many just inhumane acts that these athletes are doing at college and professional levels. It's just great to see. You know the deal. Stay in touch on socials. Let me know what y'all want to hear on these episodes. Like I said in the past, your feedback is why I keep doing the episodes. I love doing it for y'all just as much as I love doing it for me. Other than that, you guys, that's about it for this week. I will see you next week. Peace out. Hey, now I'm in jagged forces. Crack the courses, but lack the sports shit. Talent there, but I guess I was shorted and that was sports shit. Focused on my core shit. Torn clips of a better rise. Another world in my clouds. And I'm peeking my head inside to see what's really going on. Life is moving on and on. Added to that 15, empty and trash and mowing lawns. Never regret, cause these play the parts of my ultra rise. Got a mission to defeat before I go, just hold the prize. What's this thing we call life? No despite. What is decision? What's this thing we think right? In the light, head on collision. Things we do, but in spite. Bullshit. Not proper living. I don't need nothing glorious. Just listen and never mention all this shit that I do behind scenes and feeling strange. Certain shit that surprises and arises already claimed. Know some niggas admiring the money, power, and fame. Soul suction. While I watch from a bird's eye, like my. Different.